If you enjoyed podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Beyond the Paper Gown, hosted by Dr. Mitzi Krakover, helps people think critically about women's health issues, encouraging them to question and explore the complexities of healthcare systems, scientific advancements, and societal norms. There's a really cool episode that you should check out called Midday Menopause App. And that's about how AI and sensor technology can provide personalized interventions to manage menopause symptoms effectively. Check out Beyond the Paper Gown on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to Iwood Health. I'm Jeremy Quinby. This is episode 117 of the podcast. If you're new to the show, I want to welcome you. Highway to Health is your place for trusted health guidance and support. Whether you're looking to improve your health or just seeking ways to stay well, we're here for you. This growing community is on a mission to improve our state of being and experience together on the planet. And if you love the resource you get here at Highway to Health, consider becoming a health amplifier today. While this project is a labor of love, it requires funding to continue to build and stay true to our mission. You may have noticed that we have no annoying ads and are not bound by corporate interests. But that means we do need the support of our listeners, which you can provide for the price of a cup of coffee once a month by going to patreon.com forward slash Highwood Health. Your contribution is more helpful than you can imagine. My guest for today's show, Dr. David Prologo, has written one of the more common sense books on weight loss and overall health maintenance that I've read in a long time. What hooked me was his simple explanation of how the hunger and fullness hormones behave based on some very basic lifestyle choices, how we feed our bodies, and rest and recovery. He has spent most of his career researching new solutions for pain and weight loss, and it turns out there's a correlation which he shares with us here. Please enjoy my conversation with Dr. David Prologo. I'm an interventional radiologist by training. Uh, I'm also an obesity medicine physician by training and certification in both of those things. And so I was pursuing those sort of in parallel. And in the first, the interventional radiology life that I have, I use advanced imaging guidance like CT and MRI to get to these pain generators in the body that uh, otherwise are not reachable, right? We can use the guidance to get there. And we use needles to freeze nerves and block pain signal. As we continue to do that, we realize there are a lot of nerves all around the body that we that people otherwise uh, don't have treatment for, where if we can freeze the signal, for example, if it's carrying the signal from a tumor, we right, can right. block that signal Okay, uh, and so on. And uh, so we did years and years and years of work around nerve freezing and what happens to the nerve and so on. And so in parallel, I'm pursuing this obesity medicine uh, certification and career because of all of my experiences watching uh, people fail, right? Yeah, watching that, that people totally fail. makes sense. And, uh, and so I became convinced and remain convinced that it's not a mind over matter issue. Yeah. And so for that reason, I became enamored with uh, why exactly do people quit, right? Why is it that they quit? If I'm saying it's not because of a lack of willpower, well, then why is it? Because we would certainly examine this in any other setting. If yeah. you came to, to me with, uh, with cancer and I gave you a cancer therapy yeah. and you quit the therapy, right? And yeah. uh, in fact, 100 people came to me and 99 of them quit the therapy. We certainly would take a look at that. And we'd say, why, why can't people stay on this, this therapy and get to the end? We certainly would not yeah. have you come back to us and, and we say to you, well, I guess you just don't really want it. You just really don't deep down want to be rid of your cancer, right? <laughs> right we would right. never say that. So, right. so, so as I began to examine that, the answers are clear. The answers are in the medical literature. It's not a mystery. It's just that the people who generate the medical literature, the scientific research, the evidence, we don't have a $100 million marketing budget, so you don't hear about it, but it's out there. Yeah. So there are a list of things that make people quit. There are a list of things that block people from succeeding. And on that list is hunger. So uh, as I'm freezing nerves, it became clear that there is a nerve that carries that hunger signal from your empty stomach when you go on a diet. And so in order to further prove to the world 
that this wasn't a mind over matter issue. We froze that nerve and blocked that hunger signal and took away one of the things, hunger, that makes people quit their diet and quit their exercise program. And exactly what we thought was going to happen, happened. Number one, uh, nobody was hungry after that. They all reported decreased appetite. They all reported eating less. Uh, Overall, they all lost weight. But most importantly, they were able to stick with their program because they didn't have this overwhelming hunger. Right which is just one of the things that make you quit. So that was a very long answer to say. No, but that, that I, yeah. I, the I, intersection, I that. that's where the intersection came. It came- That's really uh, interesting. In, in my uh, sort of passion to continue to make the point to the world that these things like this hunger nerve freezing or any of these surgeries, these aren't willpower implantation procedures. Right. These are changes that we make to the body that lead to a different outcome. And and it's it's the the thing that I I got really drawn into with the book actually is like the the sort of health truth one hundred and one is that the that when you change the brain, you know, or the changes in the brain, whether it's like hormonal, neurochemical, or adaptive, mm-hmm. is is what really changes your reality, you know, within your body and the, and just the way that you you know you you operate basically. That, that's exactly right, and and the way that I talk about that is. Uh, it is it's crystal clear to me that there are two groups of people when it comes to weight loss and when it comes to what we're talking about here. And 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 the groups are what I call on the one side, the always lean people yeah. who are people who are exactly that, always lean. And uh, a lot of them are the ones who spout the weight loss uh, advice, right? Or write the, the weight loss instructions. Uh, but it's, it's, kind of, uh, I, I don't know if ironic is the word, but it's, it's, um, it's flawed because these folks have never been through it. Right? Right, right. And so then on the other side are the people who are what they call large body people overweight or, or people with obesity who are trying to make a change. Right. And so yep. to your point, the experience that these two people, groups of people have when they restrict their calories, eat clean is totally different. Yeah. In the always lean camp, these people, they love it. I was in a gym the other day and I was, and I, you know, obviously I talk about this a lot, so it's on my mind. I was in the gym the other day and I saw this guy who had his headphones on and he was, he was clearly a fit guy and, uh, and he was just like smiling and, and bouncing <laughs> and this guy didn't want to be anywhere else. I mean, yeah, he was yeah. where he wanted to be and he was feeling joy and he was loving the day. Right. If 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 everyone felt like that, well, no one would struggle losing weight. Right. Right. The reason people struggle is because they do not feel like that. They feel like crap. And and so if we can make the change that you're talking about uh, and we can make the experience the same, then literally nobody would have trouble with this, because if if we're having the fun that that guy was having, then we'll stay with it. Yeah. And it's interesting because I, I, you know, I, I only lasted in gyms about one year and, uh-huh. you know, because the environment for me just, it wasn't working. And, and, you know, I happened to be one of those people who was a fit guy from a, from a young age. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's, I, and it's one of the things that I well, maybe we'll get into this, but I thought about that a lot while I was reading the book is like, what is that starting point for people? Where, where does, where does a shift happen? Does it, is it, is it genetically pre-programmed? Is there st- events that happen in, in youth that, that can you know lead to it? But but the p- people I see in gyms all the time who are who are trainers training people who are trying to lose weight have no idea what that experience is like because they were they were like me. They were they were fit people. I just happened to get into this field through back pain. So ah, I was, I was ah. very I was very sensitive to the people because I started having back pain in my teen years and by my mid-20s, it was kind of a mess. So uh-huh. <clears throat> luckily I, you know, I didn't put on a lot of weight during that period, but I did put on a little bit and it, and it was, yeah, there was a transformational period where I had to really focus on, you know, ba- this balancing act of, of, you know, how I was exercising. Cause I couldn't, I couldn't work out super hard sometimes. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I had to be really careful with that. And then also sort of what I was putting in my body in terms of like recovery and, and, you know, that kind of stuff too, uh-huh. which, which you get into in the book. So we have this very sort of similar background and I'm guessing uh, you're, yeah, I'm guessing you, you know, most people get really interested in these things because they struggled with something like this in the background. Is that your story too? So, so it is indeed part of my story. Uh, primarily though. So it is. And I also was a member of the always lean population. And, and embarrassingly, I also lived 
with that disconnect. And so what I mean by that is I uh, lived with my mom and my mom was this super strong person who graduated with honors after night school and raised three boys. And, you know, she was a strong woman, right? Yeah. Um, but she just would start diet after diet after diet and fail, 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 fail. Yeah. So then I get the message from the society that I live in that, well, she's failing because she's weak-willed or doesn't really want it. I promise right. you she wanted it. And I know she wasn't weak-willed. Um, so I became fascinated with that message, which was so clearly wrong, right? Yeah, there yeah. must be some other thing that is that is stopping my mom from making that change. And but at the time, I was I was of the thinking that uh, when I run around the block or eat rice and chicken, like it's not that bad. Like, is it that bad? And I would talk <laughs> right. to my mom and I would say, you know, I, I distinctly remember having a conversation about this once with her. And I said, if I put a gun to your head, could you stay on this diet? And her answer to me was no. And and at that moment and leading up to that moment, I realized there is something going on inside my mom that's not happening inside me. Mm. Because if you put a gun to my head and said, can you continue to exercise and eat clean? I'm like, yeah. Matter of fact, I kind of enjoy it. Yeah. It's kind of fun, right? Yeah. So, so, so that's when I first recognized that disconnect. And then uh, I went through my life and I went to medical school and I started to train and I had some personal things happen to me, like you're saying, that got me off track and I became overweight. But, but the always lean person thinks, so no problem. I know exactly what I'm doing. So you go back to the gym and you, you realize, oh, so wait a minute. <laughs> Making the change, crossing back over is a whole different experience. This is not at all what it was when I lived in the always lean camp. This yeah. is something different, yeah. right? Yeah. And so when you realize that it's a unique experience and the people who have not felt that are the ones that are giving you your instructions or worse, shaming and condescending you right. for not being able to do it. Yeah. Then, then that became my primary reason for getting up in the morning was to get this message. And that's why I wrote the book, to be yeah. honest with you. I wrote the book to get that message. And thank you for getting it. It sounds yeah. like you did. Out to the world. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm already busy. I already have a good job. I didn't do this to make money or get famous. Yeah, I, did it I did it because I want people like my mom to realize there are things inside you that are stopping you that these fat shamers have never felt. Yeah. And, and I want you to realize that it's, you've been right all along and what you've been saying all along is, is true and has, has a basis in science. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. I'm just going to shut this up so it'll stop ringing. And I, and I, I got, I got into doing this podcast basically for the same reason. I started to feel like, I mean, I, I've kind of worked outside of the system. I've been, I've been very fortunate to work in, in coordination with, you know, just about all fields of care because I do a lot of work with like autonomic dysregulation. I, oh. I you know, I, I end up working with therapists. I also do, I, I treat infants. So I, I also do newborn care. So I work closely with that community. I do a lot of orthopedic challenges. <laughs> you know, I've sort of been- oh, so no, that's great. And, so and dentistry too, to so. To, to see things from different points of view, yeah. which is really the key here. And it sounds like we have a lot in common actually, because you will also probably understand how this same sort of disconnect happens in patients who have complicated or chronic pain syndrome. Yeah. Or yeah. maybe you've even felt it yourself. Um, I felt it myself and, and made me realize that it, it can be recovered from as well. And there, and that, you know, I, I became much more interested in what that process is for people. And I think there's a certain confidence that like you probably feel at this point, like you've seen how someone can, can actually recover and change. And so it just, you know, when, when someone comes in, you're like, you know, well, let's just figure out what this path looks like for you. And it's different for everybody, obviously, too, depending on what's going on. It's different for everybody. I mean, you, that just sort of rolled off your tongue there, but it is, it's a very profound statement, yeah, right? And yeah. so uh, as we go through the, the reasons that people fail, and we have already talked about hunger, uh, now you've sort of mentioned another one, and that is uh, what I call the static schedule, right? Or the, the, the program, so to speak, that was made and then applied to the masses, right? But as you just said, everybody is different. Everybody's conditions are different. Yeah. And so the very setup we have is doomed to fail from the beginning because we're taking, we, would, we don't take the same dose of medication and just 
give it exactly. to every single person from infants that you mentioned to to somebody who's a linebacker, right? right? So we individualize our therapy. And so these are another, this is a systemic thing, uh, an institutionalized thing, but another barrier uh, that we talk about in the book too is this mistake that you make by picking up this static schedule or this, uh, this plain schedule. And not only are people different, Jeremy, but even within your own life, the weeks are different. So oh, not yeah, only absolutely. are you and I different, and but we're my- aging. Yes, and we're changing over time. So that's yeah. the third thing, right? right? So so it's a constantly changing situation. Work can be long for me today. And if I try to stick to this static schedule that says I'm supposed to go to CrossFit tonight, then well, I just can't because something unexpected happened at work. This static schedule doesn't adjust for that, yeah. right? So then the mistake that all these dieters make is they quit, Yeah. right? They yeah. say I'm supposed to at CrossFit tonight. I can't do it because uh, they're bugging me at work and I'm tired and so on. And so therefore, my reaction is to just quit. Right. And, uh, and and I'll come back some other day, a month down the road on some Monday, and uh, and we'll we'll start this again, right? Right. And so what what we what we talk about in the book. I'm sorry, this is going long. I'm no, but this, 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 this is exactly where I want to go. <laughs> so, to, so take this into the book because this is this is kind of where okay. we're, where we're at. I think right. One example or analogy that we draw out in the book uh, when it comes to this is uh, if you were if you were a coin collector, and so if you can imagine being a coin collector and your goal instead of losing thirty pounds, your goal was to obtain thirty coins, right? Mm-hmm. You would uh, start and you'd collect some coins. You'd have three coins or four coins or five coins, and then let's say that same day happens at work and you're stressed out and you're tired. And on this particular night, you can't go out uh, coin hunting. Yeah. So what would you do at that point? Here's what most people would do. They would keep the four or five coins that they've already collected. They would go through the couple days that they can't pay attention to coin collecting and then come back on and add to the four or five and keep going in that fashion, reacting to the changes in their lives until they got to 30. Right. They would not say, oh, I can't go coin collecting tonight, so I will throw out everything that I've done so far and start over on another day until I can collect these 30 coins, you know, in 30 days in a row. Yeah. So I don't know why people have approached this like this, but it's ingrained and we see it over and over and over again. It's just an all or nothing attempt and nobody can ever do it perfectly. And so they always end up with nothing. Right. So, so, so let me backtrack for a sec, just to kind of, you know, bring it, bring it into the book a little bit. Can, can you explain, so that, so the name of the book is the, the catching point transformation. Is that, that I got the name right? Yeah. That is it. Uh, yeah, um, thank so, you. so explain this, this concept of the catching point. What, what was it that, that, you know, really kind of made you realize you had this thing that you could kind of, you know, focus in on? So what has, okay. So the catching point is that point beyond which you feel like that guy in the gym. The catching point is that point beyond which the experience of what is right now miserable becomes fun. And when people pass through this catching point and their experience changes, they no longer need specific instructions. They no longer need me uh, or, or maybe you. I'm not sure. Yeah, I yeah, no. <laughs> probably still need you. Yeah, but, still. And, no, but they're off on their own. They're off on their own because uh, what has changed now is the experience. So the experience becomes something that you wake up in the morning and you want to do. Yeah. And once that becomes the feeling, then it's no longer a struggle to stay on these programs and you're off on your own. So what is that point, right? What is this magical point beyond which you feel like that guy I described in gym, happy and wanting to be there? Right. And now it gets a little complicated, but it really is, it's def- it, there is a number uh, on it, and the number is 220 met minutes. But uh, the explanation of that, I'm sure you understand, but for the listeners, is complicated. It might be boring, and I don't want to lose anybody. So simply Break said, it what Break it, it is, it's an exercise capacity. It's, a, it's, it's the ability to do a specific amount of exercise. So why is that important? Because right over, now- Over a certain amount of time, right? Right, exactly, exactly. And so so right now people are like, ah, I'm not gonna listen to this. Wait, 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 don't don't quit, don't tune out yet. Because right. the reason right now people don't want to hear about exercise is and at the risk of being repetitive, 
Because right now you hate it because it's a miserable experience. But there's a point beyond which it doesn't feel like that anymore. Right, right. There's a point beyond which people get addicted to it, right? right. And, and everyone knows this about endorphins and so on. Yeah. There's a point beyond which it isn't the way you experience it now. Yeah. And what you can do now is insignificant. No offense to any listener. It is insignificant. If you were emptying a pool, if that was your job, right now, all you have to empty that pool is a Dixie cup. Yeah. And you can't make any significant change in the pool with the exercise capacity that you have now. Right. So that's reason one why it has to change. The most important reason why it has to change is because it changes your experience and, right. and then you're off on your own. The second reason it has to change is because what you have now is not enough to make any significant impact. And so it's ridiculous to even try. It's like yeah. trying to empty a pool Agreed. with a Dixie cup. The third reason it has to change is because it's been shown over and over again in the medical literature that uh, at, at this point, your food preferences will change. The right amount of exercise and exercise capacity will actually change human beings' food preferences, alter them, Toward healthy choices. Yeah, I actually, so again, I, yeah, I actually wrote down this this quote because I thought it was so good, which is that exercise <laughs> alters food preferences toward healthy foods, and healthy Correct. muscle trains uh, fat to burn more calories. It was Doctor uh, Kaplan. Yeah, I was right going to say we have to give credit. That was Lee right. Kaplan from from Harvard who, <laughs> yeah. who said that, and uh, and it is true. And and it's, it's a great way. To, it's a great way to think about it. You know, it's it's really you know we're. Because I think sometimes, as you were saying, you know, in the beginning, it's like we we feel like our, our will is weak, but really there's a there's a process going on here that we're slowly you know shifting. We're, we're, we're there, there's an alteration going on through this through this you know time period, and and I think what you did good in the book too is is kind of help people explain that you know you have to just understand what that process is, and and also find you know find, find the value in the process, you know, like that's, there, right. there's, and, and there's an educational part of it. There's a getting to know yourself part of it, and there's going to be challenges in there. But, you know, I, I think what you, what you're talking about is like really, really sticking with the process, even though you're going to have, you know, these tough days. And, and because, and you, you, what most people don't realize who are in the diet failure cycle, you know, try fail four days in, try again. What they don't realize is that this point exists and beyond this point, it doesn't feel like that. And that's a really important yeah, point because great. if you don't know about that point, then what you think is I'm going to have to feel like this, starving, mm -hmm. tired, depressed, sore for six months yeah. and I'm not doing that. Yeah. But that's not true. It's the same coaching I do with parents and babies, oddly enough, because a new a new parent <clears throat> comes in, and I happen to have two of my own, so I, I I've been through the process. I've also been through the process with, you know, a couple thousand people. Is that we think that it's going to be as challenging as it is with feeding and with sleep schedule and all these things as parents, and it's going to go on forever. But I start to break it down for them and say, listen, the, their tummies are going to really struggle from about three weeks to somewhere between you know twelve to sixteen weeks. After that, it gets a little easier. They start wicking more nutrient. They can sleep longer, all these different things, right? It's the same thing that you're talking about, basically. For sure, because those parents feel like they have a life sentence, which, is, <laughs> right. which, which causes, it results in desperation, right? And so to have someone inform them that there's a point beyond which you are not going to feel like this anymore and it's not that far away well, oh, I can endure it for that period if there's a point beyond which this is going to change. But unless you've done it once, yeah. you don't really, really believe it or know unless someone tells you, and this is what I'm trying to tell people, right? There, it, but here's why this doesn't sell. This is why this idea doesn't sell and, uh, and why it's hard to disseminate this. Because during that time, prior to reaching the catching point, prior to passing through and changing your experience, you're not likely to lose weight. What's happening during that time is you're changing the machinery of your body into a body that has the capacity to exercise, has a different metabolism that can mm -hmm. tolerate decreases in calories. So you're changing the machine. And, and so after that point, you feel different. But up and until that point, you are not likely to lose weight. And so, so nobody wants to buy that, right? So if you originally bring this idea to a book publisher, 
and you say, you know, I have evidence, scientific evidence that shows me if we can get people to this point, they'll then have fun with this right. and it'll change the world, right? They will then reply to you and say, well, can we title it lose 90 pounds in 90 days? And No, no. And they're like, well, we're never going to be able to sell this. I mean, if your idea is you want these people to spend 12, 16, 18 weeks doing something that's not going to get them the results they want in that first 12, 18 weeks, nobody's going to buy that. Yeah. And so it becomes a difficult message to disseminate because that's not clickbait. People don't necessarily, they're looking for a shortcut and they're and not their fault, by the way, they're looking for a shortcut. No, not no, because they're lazy or so on. It's because we make the shortcuts look so good. Yeah. Right? But if I could draw just one more analogy, Jeremy, to explain this. If the goal instead of losing weight was to uh, race in the Indianapolis 500, right? You might look in your driveway now and have some certain kind of car, right? I have a, I have a Chevy Trax. And... The first thing I'm going to say to myself is, well, I can't race that Chevy Trax in the Indianapolis 500. So I'm going to have to do something to change the capacity of that car, either change the engine, change the wheels. And while I'm doing that, I'm not racing in the Indianapolis 500. I'm changing the car. So I'm really not getting anywhere, it seems. Mm -hmm. But once once I get enough oomph into that car, then I'm past that critical point. And now I can do what I want to do. And it's going to be fun. It's the same thing here. The body you have now is not built to withstand these exercise programs and these calorie restrictions. It will be miserable for you, and you are going to fail. If you want to do it a different way, you've got to be able to – and I tell people, who cares? You know how you're going to spend these 12 or 18 weeks if you don't do it my way? By failing, trying and failing, trying and failing, trying and failing. And at the end of 18 weeks, you're going to be right where you are right now anyway. So why not just take the 18 weeks? Change your machine, and then the, the way I joke in the book is then you can take this Ninja Abs diet or whatever, and <laughs> right. you'll be fine go, with go it. It won't be it won't be terrible. <laughs> yeah, it'll you can have fun with it then. But but we have to do this upfront stuff first, which is not sexy and it's hard. To which sell. is which is basically so what you're talking about with changing the <clears throat> the the car is is really hormonal, right? You're talking about the the hunger hormones because. So if you, a if, lot of it, yeah. If, if, I mean, you started you started the book with that, and I think that was a good place to start because we're talking about we're talking about uh, ghrelin and, and leptin, right? Right. Which is right. so so we have we have one hormone that that becomes changed over a period of time um, when we sort of I mean, I mean there's a, there's a lot of reasons for for the hunger hormone to become you know it's it's a it's it's kind of like the way you know if you if you you know smoke. Uh, one one cigarette a day, and then suddenly that doesn't do anything for you, and then you need another one, and another one. Right, right, or, right, or with right, drinking, right, right. You, 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 your body starts to adapt and need more for the same process. So it's the same thing with our hormones, right? So 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 what what we're what we're really trying to do is change that response. The and, response, exactly. Right? We're trying to change the response. Yeah. And and so and so there's a there's a way to do this, and this is and this is you know a bit of a process. And I think what people often do, which is what you explain in the book, is they will they will exercise, 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 and then starve themselves, and that right. and and that actually makes that hormonal res- hormonal response even worse, and makes us even hungrier. Where we, in That's a way, exactly we need to feed right. we need to feed that that you know sort of uh, fan that flame a little bit. To, to get it to the right place, and that requires you know specific types of food, you know, right. but also also when right. you when you eat the food, right? Exactly, Jeremy. Thank you. <laughs> That's right. Thank you for understanding that and articulating it so well. You have to eat during this period, yeah, because you're trying to. You need the parts to change the capacity of your car, right? Right. So you need to eat during this time because you're reorganizing your body to a body that is going to efficiently, ultimately efficiently burn fuel and be able to exercise and burn calories and not respond with these ghrelin spikes when you resist your calories. So you've got to eat to make that change. And so that is counterintuitive. And again, one of the great struggles we have is, is fighting with the people who have the marketing budgets who are who by the way are not necessarily trying to help you they're trying to sell you something so they can buy a nice house right but it's it's so even if we have the science and we have these solutions it's hard to get them out to the public uh, because of all the noise that is out there and then on top of that if if 
the truth that you wish to speak to everyone is I need 12 or 18 weeks of your life where you're going to not lose weight right. in order to get you to a place where your experience is different and you're wildly successful, that is going to fall second to the shiny package, which says we can get you there in 30 days. Right. And even though deep down, we all know it's not true. Right. We still kind of gravitate towards the ladder. So, so that's why I appreciate you having me on actually, because it, it's a platform that you have. And it's a, it's a chance to explain to people. And again, it's not, you know, I don't have anything to gain from this. Right. I just want people to understand that you're being led off a cliff. And, and my mom, I watched her get led off a cliff my whole life. Yeah. And, and there, it doesn't have to go that way. And you don't have to fall into these traps. Um, but you have to trust me first. Right. And, and, and there's, and there's, so, I mean, if we, if we break this down a little bit, I mean, you so one of the things you're focusing on is, is these, you know, these, this hunger hormone or this fullness feeling hormone, right? You know, we're trying to, right. we're trying to balance those pieces. We're, we're including exercise, you know, but, but sort of progressively, you know, in terms of challenge, but also sort of dynamically challenging the whole body because on, on one level we do need to, you know, increase metabolism. And I think what a lot of people don't realize is that the more active muscle fiber we have, the higher our metabolism is going to be, or the, the better it's going to be able to burn what we put in or use what we're able to put in. But one of the most, I, I think one of the most important things that you talk about in the book that I, I talk about it all the time, I actually just did a podcast not too long ago called, um, should I work out or nap? And oh, nice. because I, I think what we don't realize is that we, we need days off. We need, we need between sure. periods. And, and the thing that you talked about that I think is so great is that it's it's important not to screw up your your in between days, because right, right. that that is actually where I mean that's the part I connected to the most, and I and I and I'm I'm guilty of this too, you know. I mean, so you know, a couple of the things you said was like no, you know, not eat, not drinking sugary drinks, and mm-hmm. not getting drunk, which you know this is also a, a, a sugar, right? So we're 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 kind of right. just throwing off our whole hormonal balance. And, and, and so, you know, t- talk, talk a little bit about that part, because I think that's, that's another b- big part. And we'll get into the, the sleep and rest part, too. So, so this is where I believe the science is clear, but people are unaware. And, and, what, and, and so what I mean by that is if you go to most larger body people who have failed in trying to make a change and you tell them the magic really lies in reaching this point, which is a change in your exercise capacity. And then you further ask them, do you understand how to change your exercise capacity? Nobody knows that, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's what we're laying out in a book. And, and one of the things that people definitely do not realize is what you mentioned about the in-between days, right? The in-between days is where this change actually takes place. Yeah. You're not making, when you're doing your exercise or you're in the middle of a calorie restriction, that's a challenge onto your body. And when you desire a change, just like if you went out into the sun, for example, the sun is a challenge to your body. Your body then adapts, and you'll if you if you're light skinned like I am, and 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 you will deposit more melanin, and you'll get you know what everybody calls a tan. But why is that? Because the body will adapt for you and change the way you want. But you it'll happen in between. It doesn't happen while I'm standing out in the sun. It happens in the next 24 yeah, to 48 hours. Right, Same right. thing here. Yeah. You expose your body to this bout of exercise or calorie restriction. That that's the hard part. The change that you want happens in between hormonally, and just those, just like with melanin. Yes, exactly. And those are the days that you have to maximize. And while you're doing this, you have to eat the right things on those in between days. Yeah. And those in between days are where the magic happens. So if you do this for say a month. And you, out of that month, you have exercised about, say, 10 of those days. It's the other 20 days when your body is changing into what you want, changing into a new body, changing into the kind of body that the always lean people have, changing into the kind of body that isn't stressed out during a calorie restriction or new exercise program, but in fact sends you endorphins and sends you good feelings and dopamine surges and rewards. And now all of a sudden you feel fantastic, but, but that change happens during the in-between days. And I know that most people 
are unaware of that. It doesn't sound like you are, but it sounds no, like no, most but, people are No, but it's are a good reminder from you. And, 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 you know, the thing that you said in the book too is that, you know, your, your body reads these calorie deficits, you know, so if you're not feeding your body well on this, in this in-between period between, you know, between workouts, your, 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 your brain is reading this as starvation. And so sure. it's, it's going to change, you know, the way you take in calories for the, the, the next thing that you put in. It's basically, you know, that, that, that hormone can decide to take more of that calorie or to not, to not hold right. on to as much of it, right? Your body will do everything it can to fight your efforts to lose weight because it wants to survive. And it perceives this new uh, decreased availability of food and exercise as some sort of famine event, yeah, right? Yeah. We're under stress now. And so in order to survive, the body will slow down its own metabolism because if you're only gonna take in, if you're gonna cut 500 calories, uh, well, I don't want to die, so I'm gonna slow down how many calories I burn and offset that yeah. in the name of survival. I'm going to send these nerve signals to your brain that you should seek food. And if, and if people want to understand how that works, imagine you stop eating right now. You're gonna start thinking about food a little bit, but 24 hours from now and then 36 hours from now, you'll be thinking about nothing but food. Yeah. And that's because your body is wired to survive. And so uh, you have to now fight that hunger signal and you have to fight that circulating hunger hormone. You, people will come and say, oh, I cut my calories, but, but I didn't end up losing the weight. But that's because your body slowed itself down to offset your effort. You just wasted your effort, right? Yeah, yeah. So you have to quiet all of those things. And how do you do that? You do that during that preparatory phase so that when the time comes, like you said, your body's efficient and it doesn't panic and react like you're starving. It instead adapts and gives you good feelings. Yeah, and it's it's like this. It's like the basis of a self care model. Like we're what we're talking about here. It's like mm -hmm. if 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 you're if you're actually taking care of yourself and you're and you're you know you you feel the sense of like you're putting food in. You feel you feel satiated. You feel rested. Right. All these all right. these kind of basic needs. I mean, so it's the one thing I. I, I try to stress with people that I'm working with, especially when they're you know, dealing with chronic pain, is that stress systems don't heal. And, you know, we can stress our system in a lot of different ways. So we, immediately we think, you know, stress as being like, you know, a fight with our partner or something going on right, at work right. or whatever, right? But, but, but we can stress it through, through these kinds of means, through starvation, through kind of beating. I mean, I, I work with so many people who are, you know, type A, who are in, you know, having chronic pain, who are also over-exercisers. Like they just don't give right. themselves any sort of break. And they're, right. and, you know, right. they're, they're, they, they are kind of sheer will in some ways, but their body is just, is, is reacting against it and saying like, this is, I can't, I can't hold this up anymore, you know? But if you give it some time, right? If you give it a couple of days, your body will quickly, Very quickly. repair itself. Yeah. It'll go right into, if you, if you relieve the stress for a second, then your body quickly goes into repair mode. It yeah. goes into change mode. It goes into restructure mode. So that you're better off. And that's hard. It is hard for type A people to realize that it's during that time or during sleep that your body is making the changes that you want so that at month six, you're a, you have a different body than you had on day one. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I know I'm a book of endless analogies, but uh, <laughs> I use the flower in the, in the book to explain this, that if you bring a, a flower home from the store uh, or a seed, say, and that's in dirt, and you water it, and then you water it again, and again, and again, and again, it's gonna drown. But if you water it and then wait, yeah. step back for a day or two, yeah. and let it change, water it again, step back, let it change, during the in-between days, in between your waterings, is when it will change, grow, and flourish, and human beings are the exact same way. And again, it's not, it's not a, a product that you can buy, it's information that you need to understand in order to do things differently. Yeah. So, so, so if rewiring is not, I mean, if, if, if uh, willpower is not, you know, what's going to, going to change us, what, what does this rewiring process look like then to you? Like if you can sort of summarize that. For sure. So, so thank you for asking that. It's a, so the science word for this is retrograde neuroplasticity. Okay. And now that sounds like, <laughs> wow, that's a mouthful, right? But, but really what it means is what retrograde means is in the opposite direction, right? So if we're talking about mind over matter, we're talking about from the top down would be, we're trying to right. say that that's how we're to make our changes, right? 
which which by the way is ridiculous. It's great for t-shirts and and TikTok accounts, but yeah. it's really quite ridiculous because if you came to me with heart disease, I wouldn't tell you just like really concentrate really really hard so yeah. that you can clear your artery, right? It doesn't yeah. work like that. Right. So what retrograde is is the other directions. It's it's changes in the body that lead to changes in the mind. And again, this isn't stuff that I made up. I'm just yeah. a messenger here, right? These are things that we know inside of medical science. And, and a great illustration of this are uh, amputees who feel a foot that isn't there, right? Mm-hmm. And so for years and years and years, we would treat that phantom limb pain, it's called, with these top-down approaches, you know? Try and imagine that your foot is not there or try and get over the trauma that led to the amputation and so on. Until we started doing things to the body, to the residual limb, and then we would take MRIs after the after we did something to the nerve, and the mind would change. So that's changes to the body change the mind. So that's the, the second half of retrograde neuroplasticity. Retrograde means from the body up, and then neuroplasticity means the ability to change your brain, change your mind. And again, these aren't abstract ideas. These are MRI changes that we can show when we do something to the body that the brain itself actually changes. So in the setting of what we've been talking about, when we change your body in the way that we discussed, change your exercise capacity, even though you haven't lost any weight, we have now changed the structure of your brain that now perceives what you used to hate as fun. Yeah. Retrograde neuroplasticity. So see why I can't, it's hard to sell this stuff. Well, so it's true, but it's, it sounds boring, complicated, yeah, you but, know. But, but I think, I think what you did in the book though, is you, you, you did create a structure for it. You know I mean? That's, that's, that's where, that's where I think it's important. And you had, um, kind of these seven points, these seven core rules for, and, and this is, you know, your, your time frame. again, we're getting back to like, how do you, how do you, you know, measure and manage this? Well, we're, we're going to just think about this in terms of 12, 12 weeks to start out with. Right. So, right. so that, so right. the, so the, I'll, I'll just kind of go through this and we, and we could kind of riff after, but so the, so your seven points were, there's no restarting. Right. 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 So, Can m- I talk m- about that one before you go on? Sure. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because we, because we touched that on one, a That bit, one right? seems really important. It, it is so important, and it's so simple. But and we've talked about it before. Why like do we have that rule? No, no restart. Exactly, it's the coin. There's there's no restart. Once you start, you're on this. And when something happens that you think derailed you, it didn't derail you. Um, it's just a challenge that came up that is so it's not going to go perfectly. Like anything else, anybody who say has gone to college, did it go perfect every day? Or did you get a hard teacher and you got right, sick right. one day? Of course it didn't go perfect, but you didn't just quit college, right? Yeah. You didn't quit and start over. So same thing here. No yeah. restart. Sorry, yeah. go on. No, that's no, that's that's and, and again, no, no quitting. So like once you start the process, this is rule number two. You're you're going to you're going to follow it out. You're going to keep collecting coins through this this twelve week period, but you're not gonna you're not gonna stop. Right, and you're, it's like the mob, if you will. Once you're in, you're in, <laughs> you're and in. That, that that doesn't mean that every day. You starve yourself. It means the opposite of that, actually. It means that there will be days when you go to wherever you go, Applebee's or whatever it might be, and that doesn't mark the end of your attempt. It just marks uh, a break or right. a slight or a different, poor choice. Uh, way. And, and, yeah, and move or on. maybe it's not even a poor choice. Oh, maybe true, you true. need that to go back to the well. Yeah. Um, maybe that's your watering. You know. So it it definitely does not mark the end of your coin collecting attempt, for example. Right. It's just a couple of days off, then you come right back in where you were. You don't go back to the beginning. Right, and, and number three is, you know, no sugary drinks. So you, you mean you mean soda, obviously, f- fruit juice as well, and anything the, that the, has- The only time we allow liquid for- Liquid sugar. <laughs> the only time we allow for liquid sugar, and the reason this is in there, uh, number one, it's an easy thing to do, right? It's, a, it's an easy translation where you know you go from retrograde neuroplasticity to here's what you actually need to do, right? Yeah, you don't have yeah. to understand all this stuff in between. Uh, so it's an easy thing to do. Uh, and then number two, as you well know, uh, we don't want these spikes, you know, because yeah. we're fighting the hunger hormone, we're fighting the responses, and those quick boluses uh, result in those unwanted spikes that make us ultimately feel more hungry in the long run. Yeah. So that's the other reason for doing that. But there is an exception to this. 
and we can talk about it later, but there's one exception, and that is within that 45 minutes after an exercise bout, yeah, but right. that's a different story, but go on, please, sorry. But, but even there, you, we, we want to deal with some quality, and I, I, we'll, we'll get back to that one, but so, and we, we mentioned earlier, no getting drunk, that's number four. Number five, yeah. sleep at least 50 hours a week, which is, you know, seven plus hours, ideally, right? Right, right, and, so... Uh, again, we can we can talk about this for the rest of the day if we wanted to. But the the take home messages are that uh, lack of sleep equals stress. Yeah. Lack of sleep is perceived by the body as a stressor. It goes into protection mode. It causes your metabolism to go down. It causes you to store every single thing that you eat. It goes into survival mode. Number two, these changes that we're talking about. You, your body now is not going to succeed and not going to get you where you want in the long run. Yeah. Your new body will get you where you want to be in the long run and will be a fun experience. But the change that you need from body that you have now to the body we want you to have happens while you're sleeping. Right, right. That's just it. And, and, and as you said something in the book, I can't remember the, the term you used, but basically from a molecular level where that's where all the changes take place. It's, it's during that, during that sleep cycle. So if you, if you shorten that and, and, you know, there's, I don't know if you've read Matthew Walker's book on uh, why we sleep. Oh, uh, I don't I think so. he's a Stanford researcher, but 30 years of sleep science. It's really fascinating. Ah, ah. And he goes into animal populations and all sorts of stuff. It's really interesting. But, but, you know, one of the things he's saying is there's tons of research that shows that less than six hours of sleep is carcinogenic. Like our body starts, right, our right. molecular structure starts to change if we're not getting that much sleep. So, and that goes, right. that goes with this whole concept of, of, of rest and recovery cycles. Right. So, and it's because it changes for the for the worst when you don't have it yep. and it changes in the direction you want it to change. You know, like we, we mentioned being out in the sun and then having your body develop a tan as a, as a response example. Well, that also happens while you're sleeping, right? Yeah. So these changes that you want occur while you're sleeping. So if you don't sleep, it won't change. Yeah, and, and, and that sleep deprivation state also brings up that hunger hormone because it's basically saying like, we're not getting enough of what we need. We need more, we need more energy. And right. it just kind of tries, right. it tries to do right. it with if calories. Right, we're going to stay up for 18 hours a day, yeah. we need more energy. So what do we do? We eat. And people know that, right? This is one that people intuitively realize. If you're sleep deprived, you end up looking for Doritos. You just yeah, know that, totally. right? Because that, but that's real. That's your body. That's your body saying you better eat if this is the way it's going to be. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we got, we got eat breakfast is number six, which is, you know, right. and, and getting, getting, getting that, you know, that fire stoked again, especially if you're right. going to be, you know, if you're going to be working out, you need something to work with to start out with. And you want, again, to add in because you haven't eaten now for 10 hours because you've been sleeping. Thank you. Um, and so now you need to provide your body with the materials it needs to what I call in the book, build a new scaffold. Remember, we're looking for a new body, a different body. The body we have now has failed us enough times. Right. So we're going to get a new body and then succeed. But in order to get a new body, we have to, we have to provide the materials, the raw materials. Yeah. So, uh, so we've got to eat in the morning. And then your number seven was don't sit for more than 45 minutes at a time, which I think is a, is a great rule. For just, in, just movement in general. I mean, one of the things I try to get people in the mindset of is, you know, especially people who are, you know, have back pain or something is, you know, we start, we start thinking that, well, we need to, you know, we either need to be exercising harder or strengthening more or pushing a little bit harder. But I find a lot of times with people, it's just like, there's sort of an adaptation that happens when you're sitting for long periods of time. For, sure. I, I teach, I teach people about, about the psoas and hip flexors a lot because I show mm -hmm. them how those, those muscles adaptively shorten because they're attached to the inside part of your upper leg and go into your lumbar spine. So when you stand up, that grab that you feel sometimes when you're when you're standing up and you feel like it, it grabs your lower back, that's just your lower back reacting to the fact that your hip flexors are shortened. <laughs> so getting right. up and moving right. around really keeps that that you know that space in your between you know your legs and your and your lower spine through the pelvis, and that's what kind of keeps you mobile. But but it also is just like you know g getting some circulation moving and getting getting that 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 metabolic process moving too. The body is remarkably adaptive, and after 45 minutes, it starts to get the message that we don't need really to do anything, yeah, right? We yeah. don't need to use these calories efficiently or anything because we're just going to sit here. Yeah. So you have to disrupt that message. It's all about inducing change in yeah. your body, inducing adaptation in your body, being a calculated strike. Yeah. 
And the other thing that you that you added to the book, which of course, because it's my field, I was very happy to see, is that you talked about you know sort of these some some of these recovery things that you can do, which are like you know, myofascial work, foam rolling, massage, right. those kinds right. of things. Because, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to slowly increase the intensity on your body, you have to sort of understand how that works. And my field happens to be fascia because that's really what I'm working with a lot of times. The craniosacral system that I'm working with, this dural membrane system is connected directly to all the the broader fascia of the body. And it's this kind of liquid-based uh, electrical matrix that's kind of the glue that holds the body together. So, you know, it's it's reactive to our autonomic states, to our, our fight or flight or our resting states. So you right. also included in there, which I thought was really great because I do this pretty much every day is, is kind of a, I think you called it like lying postural um, rest oh, or something. Oh, right. Right, um, right, which is exactly. I, I, I oftentimes after lunch, I mean, I happen to have a, a table that I can lay on at, at work, but <laughs> I, I will, I'll, after lunch, I'll lie down for, I'll set my alarm for 20 minutes and just lie down. And in a way, what I'm doing is I'm letting my breathing system reset. I'm letting that food that I put in kind of have time to you know, metabolize and really just letting my body lengthen after, after being in whatever position I was working in. Cause some of my work is kind of more physical in nature. Sometimes I'm sitting for long periods of time. So I just feel and, like and that's, this, it's, it's such a simple, it's just it's such a simple thing to do, but it does give you that, that I get, I get a little energy after that. Sometimes I'll feel kind of, you know, sluggish after lunch. So I just find that period kind of helps me have this like space to, to feel sluggish. And then I kind of get that sure. energy back. And it, it's one of the things we described uh, as, as an active recovery, but, but basically what that means for, for the listeners is, you know, we said that we're going to change to a different body, one that's going to lead us to success. We then said that those changes are going to happen in between. They're going to they're right. happen during rest periods, yeah, that's, right? That's it. Uh, and particularly sleep. So knowing that's important, but the next step then is how do you maximize that time? How do you maximize those days when your body's changing? And you do it by accelerating recovery. And we can divide that into active and passive recovery. We talked about eating the right things. That's one way you can accelerate those changes. But now what Jeremy's describing is, is literally active recovery, a way that you can uh, help accelerate those changes and, yeah. and fan the flames during those in-between days yeah. and, and, and improve the changes, improve the rate of changes, yeah. right? Get there faster. But, but it's counterintuitive to most people. Right. We're telling you to accelerate your rest, to pay attention to what you eat and how you sleep, and because these are when it changes. This is the opposite of everything else that you see. Everything right. else you see is focused on restriction and the actual activity when, when what you need is almost invisible. It's, it's invisible because it's, it's in between all of that stuff. And we want to re, refocus you so you can have a different outcome. It's 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 counterintuitive to this like productivity model that we all seem to live with, which is like right. go 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 fill up as much space as you can in your day. But really, if you don't make these spaces for for rest, the filling up happens that way. You know, I mean, I think what what most people are struggling with, what I see a lot of times, is kind of energy based challenges. You know, that that that's happening at this hormonal level or you know neurochemical level because of because of the depletion that that's going on from from our behavior basically. <laughs> And, and, and being sometimes, you know, and managing stress. And you talk about mindfulness practice and stuff in here too, and meditation, because we, we, we really do need these spacers, you know? I mean, if, 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 we're, not, if we're not giving ourselves these spacers, and I, I've, I talk a lot about autonomic nervous system stuff, and I've got episodes on kind of teaching about it that are just kind of short little two-minute episodes. Because I think people, if they understand what their fight or flight response looks like, you know, or, you know, in extreme situations, it's freeze, obviously, but, but we're sort of, when we're, when we're, you know, tapping that hormonal side of the system all the time, we're, that takes up more energy than anything, but, but, you know, right. doing things that kind of bring up this parasympathetic resting, digesting response also helps all the, the hormones that are going to help us you know, feel good, you know, right. mentally right. And, and emotionally, but also, you know, when we get down to like the, the, the gut, there's there's all sorts of things that are going to work and help us get those get the energy moving to the right place and that's that's where right. I think we tend to fail just as a culture you know and I, For I, sure we do. I don't I don't always think it's about as you're saying like I don't always think it's about the food or the you know even the amount of food that people are putting in or the willpower it's about this part this is a huge part of it right amen and if we can get people to see this which is heretofore been invisible then then we can make some changes yeah. 
and and there's you know this is not a diet product so as you're saying it's not an easy way yeah. it's not an easy sell no it's, it's it, yeah and, and again you know it's, it's information i want people to have yeah it, it, i just want you to understand what what is uh what is right in front of you but but you don't know about it right yeah the, uh, atkins for example right so atkins years ago he's a doctor right he's a cardiologist and he knew about this idea of taking more energy to digest protein than other things. And he knew this to be a fact, right? He didn't yeah. make this up. This right. was something he took from the, from the medical literature and said, I bet the public would love to know that if you predominantly uh, eat protein, you'll end up losing weight. So he took that information and he put it out there for the public, right? Now, eventually he built a company and all that, but, yeah. but that's all we're doing here. We're just taking information that I bet you wish you knew. <laughs> Yeah. And and we're putting it in a book for you so you can know. That's it. Yeah. And and for anybody who's, you know, sort of wondering how how is this set up too or interested in the book, you know, you you've you've kind of charted out a lot of these things so that people can sort of, you know, check off things based on the week that they're in, um, kind of looking at, you know, the kinds of foods that you might want to put in post workout or for breakfast, you know, things things and, that will help I you out in that to, way. I try to do it in as plain language as possible because I know as a doctor, you know, your family members, your friends will come to you and just ask you, just explain something to me in plain language. So I try to do it in as, as conversational language as possible yeah. so that so that people could understand it. Yeah, and I think that's important. And, you know, sometimes we're hungry for, a, a, you know, some details. I think it's important to maybe, you know, know that these, that these hormones are real and what their names are, right. but ultimately right. we just need to know what they do. And I thought right. you did a great job of kind of just, you know, get, getting all that basic information out there while, you know, I mean, I'll tell you what I work with, I, I tend to treat a lot of people in, in medical professions because we are, you know, pushing a lot of times, especially over the last couple of years, trying to, right. trying to care for people. And so, oh, but, sure. but then that also leads to these like, you know, poor cycles of sleep and, and eating mm -hmm. habits and mm -hmm. stuff. And so a lot of times I'm just trying to help people get back, you know, as, as you're talking about, kind of get, get, get all this stuff back into balance. And so I feel like this, this kind of, this kind of, you know, book really just kind of helps you to organize. And then that's, that's the one thing I try to, you know, tell people is that the, the first, the first part actually is kind of the organizing part, which you've done for people. And then, and then the next part is just the the methodical, just going, just going through it and sticking with the, <laughs> with the program. Right, right. Well, thanks, Jeremy. I yeah. appreciate it. You really explained it well. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I pre I appreciate you doing the work. I know how much these kinds of you know projects take to put together. So it's, yeah, it's, it's a lot. It, it is a lot. It's a lot. It's it's a struggle to get it out there. But you know, again, so I've known so many people that uh, you know, I just want to make sure that you understand why you feel the way you feel so you don't have to feel bad about it yeah. or think that somehow you lack willpower or any negative thing that anyone has said about you. There's science that says otherwise. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, I, I picked it up right away. I mean, I mean, the, I, I get a lot of just ha having a podcast, I get a lot of things thrown at me where people are trying to sell products or, right, or, or diet right. plans or whatever. And I, I could just right. tell right from the beginning, you know, looking at it, I was like, yeah, this is, this is something that I think really needs to get out there. And I think it's, it's something that people are struggling with a little bit more right now because of Maybe. everything we've been through the last couple of years and kind of trying to recover and get some kind of balance. And I feel like this is, this is a well-organized thing for anybody who's interested well, thank you, Jeremy. I appreciate the, the the time here to to get it out there so so people can read. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, thanks for your time, David. Really appreciate it. My pleasure, sir. Dr. David Prologo, folks. Some great information in this book. I highly recommend you check it out. As he says here, it isn't something that he put together to make money, and I'm not making money on this either. <laughs> it's my mission to find quality resource, and I weed through a lot to find material like this. So if you're struggling right now to drop some weight, and I will admit it's been something that I'm currently working on as well, this is a great book to help get organized. You can find his book, The Catching Point Transformation, at his website, drdavidprologo.com. That's D-R-P-R-O-L-O-G-O.com. And you can also find it on Amazon, Kindle, Nook, and at most bookstores. And if you'd like to watch us have this conversation, check it out on the Highway to Health channel on YouTube. Let me know what you thought of this topic and conversation. Hit me up through the contact page at our website, highway2.health. I always love hearing from you. Thanks for listening and for all that you do. Be good to yourself, be kind to each other, and take care of your planet. Be well, my friends.
If you enjoy podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Beyond the Paper Gown, hosted by Dr. Mitzi Krakover, helps people think critically about women's health issues, encouraging them to question and explore the complexities of healthcare systems, scientific advancements, and societal norms. There's a really cool episode that you should check out called Midday Menopause App. And that's about how AI and sensor technology can provide personalized interventions to manage menopause symptoms effectively. Check out Beyond the Paper Gown on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com.